but does it know that player A has actually switched lines to now play with player B? And oh, now they're on the power play together too, right? Like it doesn't know that. Hey, what's up? GP13 here. I am buzzing after that episode with Ed Miller. That was an absolute blast. Thank you, Ed, again for coming on. It's the most downloaded episode already in uh, Risk Takers podcast history. And yeah, we'll keep pushing from there. I mean, I've already got a lot of great guests lined up uh, for the next couple of weeks. And I'm so excited to do these conversations. I had a lot of fun talking to Ed. I learned a lot. I hope you learned something too. Uh, but I also want to make sure that, you know, we keep, we keep going with these 15, 20 minute bursts where we go into one topic and we just try and focus in and figure out one thing that's going to help us with our betting. And today this is going to go off of what Ed and I were talking about, what Ed's book was about. And these, this episode is going to be the signs of a good bet. The signs that you might have an edge. What are some what are some early signs that might indicate there's an edge to be had somewhere? And the number one sign, and every other sign will build off this, is that that bet is priced by a model, not by a market. Now, what does this mean? If you haven't read Ed's book, first of all, go read it. Ed and Matt Davidow, shout out Matt Davidow, their book, go read it. But the the core tenet of the book is that you want to find situations to bet against the sports books models, not against their markets. Now, what's a market? What's a model? I thought everything was a market. I thought everything was made by a model. Yes and no. Let's quickly break down how a line set uh, traditionally first a big market like the NFL money line. Okay, the week before a sports book puts out a money line, they say uh, the Raiders are playing the Chiefs. They think the Chiefs are minus 200. They put it out the Sunday before the game. Tiny, tiny limits. Some people bet, maybe they bet the Chiefs minus 200. Now it goes, they move it to minus 220. Some other people bet it, you know, minus 220, they might move it to minus 230 on Wednesday. On Thursday, they raise the limits. They raise the limits. The closer it comes to game time, the more information they have from all of these bettors who are betting into them. They're using that information to calculate what the true percentages are or what the best they can get to the, the true percentages. We can never know the true percent of something happening, but we can do our best, uh, best to guess. Their guesses get better and better and better as the week goes on. They're more and more confident because they've seen more and more bets from betters, and they're moving that line in response to those bets or in response to a sports book that's doing this process, right? So if you think of a sports book like Circa, Circa is a market-making sports book. They take a bet, they move the line, they let you bet into it, or they take a bet, they don't move the line, they let you bet again. Through this process, there's a price discovery, right? To where they get to a certain point and the sharp bettors aren't taking one way or another. Okay, they believe that they've reached kind of an equilibrium. That's how a line is set by a market. 
And this is how lines are set for most of the major, major, um, most of the, most of the bets that people normally make. So that's going to be, you know, major sport money lines, major sport spreads, major sport totals. Now there's, there's a core, there's a corollary to this where like college football kind of is a major sport and a minor sport. Obviously, if you have Alabama playing Georgia, that is going to be a game where there's a lot of information known. A lot of people bet into it. It's going to be, there's a lot of money flowing in. That game's going to be more of a market. But if you have like a, a total on two lesser known colleges, smaller colleges in a division that's not one of the, you know, power five, then that could be just a model. You know, there might not be a lot of action flowing in on that. And if if they do take action, they don't really want it. Games off TV, whatever. They might just be kind of going on their model or copying from another book and they don't really have any information. So college football, it could be a market, it could be a model, right? Okay. So when I say a model, right? Well, how does a sports book price all the other stuff that isn't the marquee bets, the money lines, the spreads, the totals, right? How do they price like in that same Chiefs Raiders game? How do they price like Chiefs fourth quarter uh, points? There's no market on that. What they're doing is they they have a model. They feed in the inputs from the pregame information, and it spits out a number. Right now, the people who make these models are really good. Ed is one of the people who makes these models. He's going to be the first to admit that they're fallible, though, and he writes a whole book interception about how we find bets that are made by models and attack them. Now we're going to listen to him because he's the person who made these models. So we'll just take his word for it that uh, it's good to attack these. And you can take my word for it too. This is also kind of how we approach things. I think if you've heard me talk before, I always say, you know, take DFS props. Like if you're going to start modeling in DFS, make sure you do it for props that aren't showing up on any of the sports books. That's how we did really well with Fairways Hit. We modeled Fairways Hit. No other sports book had it. Prize picks would offer it. We would, you know, for lack of a better word, just destroy them. They'd take it down, put it back up, take it down. Like there's no backup for them, right? They're the only people offering it. So they just made it with a model. And when we would bet into them, they we're kind of flying blind. That's what we want to find. So how do we find that? What bets are made by model? What bets are made by market? What are some signs that a bet might be A, made by model, and B, susceptible to giving up a lot of edge? Okay, so let's let's talk about bets that are priced by models. And there's, in, in Interception, in Ed's book, there's a a long explanation of how models are made, why they might not be perfect. But the gist of it, what you need to know is, is this. The main goal of the sports book isn't to be the sharpest, you know, best at pricing. The main goal is that they just have something that works because the behind the scenes at the sports book 
is made up of so many third party software programs that have to like work together and spit out prices that it's it's almost a miracle that it just works. So for their biggest markets, of course, they're trying to do a good job with pricing, but they get to see a lot of bets come in. Besides that, they just need to make a model that gets a price up and shows that they can offer a competitive betting menu uh, in relation to their you know their competitors, right? So, for example, if DraftKings has you know uh, punting yard props. You know, FanDuel says, why don't we have punting yard props? And then they ask their internal team, like, get us a model to make some punting yard props. And they throw something together the best they can and try and get it out. Models are always wrong. Let me repeat that. Models are always wrong. And I don't, I don't always give them, I give them too much credit sometimes. This is as someone who's built models that have been wrong, very wrong. Super wrong, painfully wrong. Um, the best you can do with a model is just to be better than somebody else's model, to be less wrong than the other people. So in a sport market that's made by a lot of people betting, you're going to have to be more right than everybody else's model who's bet into that market. And the sportsbook's seen that information and they've moved the price. But if you're one of the only people betting into, say, the NFL fourth quarter alternate team points, then you're really only competing against one model, one person's opinion, and that's the sports book. And depending on who even was making that model, it could be a pretty weak opinion. It could be somebody that that sports book uses because... They were good at pricing soccer and tennis, some popular sports in Europe. They use that same content provider for their American operation. And all of a sudden they had to start pricing football with their experience being in tennis or soccer modeling. It's hard. And they have to launch in time. They have to hit a launch date. You got to be out there competing with these sports books, competing for market share. There's no... You can't sit in the lab for two years building a perfect model. You build something just good enough and get it out there. So when we talk about betting into models, we want to talk talk about betting into models that are new. So that's, that's going to be sign number one. Is something a new offering? If something is new, it's likely wrong. Think about any other type of product when it ships. If you ship something new especially software or in, and whatever, there's likely to be bugs. We know this from all facets of life, not just from betting. So if we see a new market that they just put out, that's a good place to start. Always always look at new markets. Always give them a once-over, and you might be able to just do like a 10-minute like sanity check on it, and there might be something really, really wrong that you could find out quickly. If not, it, you know, and you have some time, and you have the data, you know, the data accessible to you. You might you might just make a, a a quick model for that market, and it could be it could be a good opportunity, right? So anything that's new is going to have probably have some weaknesses in it, right? Okay, sign number two, and this one 
is a lot easier to even determine than, oh, is it a new market? Is it a live market? And this applies to DFS Pick'em, right? This could be like the second half. The, the game could be live and you could be betting second half stuff on prize picks, fourth quarter. Uh, Underdog actually has live betting available to it. So that's another, that's another opportunity. And basically live, live betting is, can only be, can only be priced by models and then it's watched over by humans. So what you have is, you know, you have all these different game states and the model assigns probabilities, you know, win probabilities or win, yeah, win probabilities to whatever prop or bet based on game state and it changes depending on game state. Now, what's a, what, let's push this further. What this means is that common game states, game states that come up all the time, the model's going to be really good at it, be really good at predicting it. So like, like the, what everybody says is, oh, I like to wait for a favorite to go down seven. And then I bet them at plus money in football. It's like, that's not a good bet. The model has seen favorites go down seven a million times. They know how to price it. Like you're not getting one over on the book. This isn't some like sneaky strategy that you've you've determined. You know, that's a very common situation. Now, what's an uncommon situation? Well, a quarterback gets hurt. How good is the backup quarterback? The model actually might not be good at predicting that. And they're also certainly not the model doesn't know if the, the quarterback's going to come back into the game or if the injury is severe enough to even take him out of the game or a team goes up 21 nothing in the first 10 minutes. How does that change the player props? How does that change how the offenses are going to play, how, how their fourth down decisions are going to work? That's a little less common, right? So you're looking for extreme situations where the model is trained on a very small amount of data um, or stuff happens that a model can't even account for at all in the game. For example, a flag's thrown in football. The model doesn't know yet if that's a penalty, right? The flag's thrown. They go to the challenge booth and you're at information part of the sports book, right? The challenge is long enough that nothing's happening on the field uh, while you're placing your bet. So you can watch the challenge or you can, you know, have an opinion on the flag that the model doesn't have an opinion on. They don't have, the model doesn't know flag likely holding or flag likely pass interference going to be uh, overturned. That's what you can see. The model can't see that, right? So when you're in play betting, there's a lot of situations and what you have to be thinking about is what can I as a human do better than a model, right? And it's not bet on a team when they go down one touchdown. That's not it. It's what does the model, you know, what can't it infer? Injuries, um, even maybe like coaching tendencies. A model can't perfectly understand coaching tendencies, right? I, I understand that I'm not a, look, I'm not a football expert. I know people put coaching tendencies into their into their model, but it might not quite understand that like so and so never goes for it when they're up by 
14 or something in the first quarter, you know, random stuff like that. So you're looking for outliers. You're looking for things that the model, the things that are on the screen that aren't necessarily uh, easy to uh, easy to digest data for a model. So that's like penalties and, you know, uh, changes, injuries, whatever it is, like that's the stuff that the model doesn't really do well at. It does well at stuff that happens all the time. It does really, really well. So that's why when you, you know, someone's saying just wait for the favor to go down a touchdown, the model's really good at that. It's really, really good at that. So it's going to be, but the model doesn't really know if that flag is likely to be overturned, right? So that's that's weakness number two. And sign number three is the bet something that involves correlation. So obviously in DFS Pick'em, we know correlation really, really well. And it's the crux of the most powerful winning strategies in the space right now. But even if you were to do something like a single game parlay, which changes the odds based on the correlation, right? Unlike prize picks, unlike you know, it's it's more like what you'd see on Hot Streak, right? Hot Streak, as far as I know, is the only um, dynamic odds provider, basically, in the DFS pickup space. But even Hot Streak and even uh, FanDuel single single game parlays, even if they're holding high amounts, if there's high amounts of juice, they the the correlation effect is is essentially what happens is there's like a correlation matrix, I believe. And it's going to say, oh, if X happens, Y is more likely to happen. But does it know that player A has actually switched lines to now play with player B? And oh, now they're on the power play together too, right? Like it doesn't know that. It just says in hockey, if so-and-so goes over shots, the other person is likely to go over by this amount increases their over by this amount if they're on the same line the model doesn't know maybe they switch lines the model doesn't know so and so is not on the power play line anymore or or whatever it is and those are the things that are going to have a massive impact on correlation so the same way that you kind of attack the live stuff you attack the correlated stuff where might the model be missing a correlation right Fool around with the single game parlay. See how much certain things adjust when you move and see if it makes sense, right? Like if if someone's on a power play line with someone else and you go to FanDuel and you select their shots both over and they go up, you know, the odds reflect a certain percent of the correlation. And then you take someone who isn't on that power play line, replace one of the people who is, and it's the same exact bump, something's wrong, right? Because the power play line is going to increase correlation more than just being on a line together, just being on the same team. So that's where you're like, oh, interesting. It's pricing all shots uh, equally correlated when that's not true. Same situation as in play. That's what you're going to be looking for. Things where the model has to do this incredibly difficult, impossible task, which is like price correlation amongst all these stats and all these sports it's 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 really insane right and most of the time it's going to give you stuff that you can't beat but you're looking for that two percent that three percent of options that you can beat and as a better we don't have to bet everything we don't have to bet anything so for us it's just waiting trying to find that spot where it's wrong and then attacking it right so that is number three and that's 
important for DFS Pick'em. That's important for sports betting. You know, anything with correlation is going to be model-based and easy to attack. And then number four, touch briefly on this, uh, player props. I only want to touch on this because, look, we all play player props. Most of the people here are doing DFS Pick'em, so that's the only option available. So like it doesn't, it's kind of redundant to say player props, but you should know like certain player props actually kind of have markets, the biggest player props, like pitcher strikeouts, um, NBA player points, passing yards, you know, these are things that are heavily bet at sports books and they will adjust their lines of action. Like I said earlier, if you find something that's not at the sports book, a player prop that this site is originating, that they have a model and they're putting it out, like the fairways hit in golf, that is the green light there to go attack, right? So player props are set by models. There's a mini market in them, but some of them have no market. And those are the ones that you got to attack, right? So that that's really the five signs, right? Number one, the most important sign, the most important signal that something's worth looking into is, is it priced with a model? Under that, you have, okay, if it's priced with a model, is it a in-game bet? Does it involve correlation? Um, is it new? And is it a player prop? If it's any of those four and it's priced by model, you can be pretty certain that there's something there and it's worth looking into as to like how you want to allocate your time and attention. That's a bit harder. Um Obviously, a situation where it's checking multiple boxes might be the, the best, best situation. And then if it's a sport that you specialize in, for by all means, you know, by all means, look within the sport you specialize in first, right? That's going to be easier for you to understand if you have an edge. So look within your sport, but then look for those, look for those five things. The more boxes you check, the better of an opportunity it will be and get in there and see if you can find anything and then tell me about it. No, I'm just uh, just kidding. Do not expect anyone to share edges, but I hope you go out there and find some. Appreciate you all listening. Appreciate all the new listeners that I've uh, got brought in with the legend of Ed Miller. And yeah, we're just going to keep doing bigger and bigger things from here. So appreciate all of you and I'll see you on the next episode.